and welcome to the podcast. My name is Jenny Lee Taylor and today we are focusing on the topic of conscious human leadership and I'm here with the beautiful Julie Watson, uh, CEO of Stronger Than My Excuses. Good morning, Julie. Good morning. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Lovely to see you. Yes, it's good to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, So before we start, I'd like to acknowledge that this meeting today is being held on the lands of the Awabakal and Waramai peoples and that we pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging and future. So let's drop straight into it, Julie. If you could just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, your business. Okay, so it's it's a pretty long story, so I'm going to have to cut that short because <laughs> I've been around a few years now. But um, pretty much, I've always had work got, gone between business and employee, business and employee, and um, over the years, you know, you have a business and you start to think, oh, this is, you know, oh, I've got to do all thinking, I've got to come up with all the ideas. I would love to just work for someone. <laughs> then you work for someone and go, oh, I'm too stifled. I've got, to, I've got to start my own business again. So I've had everything from my first business was a surf shop in Yamba on the north coast of New South Wales. And um, from there we had a Mexican restaurant. Then I had a driving school, a fencing business, actually building fences all around the central coast um, and, and a few other businesses. But um, but about two years ago, two and a half years ago, I started Stronger Than My Excuses, which um, it started because I wanted to be a speaker. I made a few changes in my life, become more confident, and I went, I want to be a speaker. I want to tell people how to do this, how to stop being, stop procrastinating and being stuck in a rut. So I, I got, I started a few little videos and or vlogs, I think they call them, short little video blogs. And um, and then I thought, no, I'm going to have a panel discussion. So I got a couple of friends said, will you be on the panel? You can be my co-host. And then we'll get two special guests on there and we'll do a series of eight. And they went, yes, over a bottle of red wine. We had that discussion <laughs> and they agreed. So I, And we got that on video, actually, funny little video of us saying practising. So um, it was a bit of fun and, and in the end, um they they didn't really want to be involved further than being co-hosts so I ran the whole project called it the stronger than my excuses show and then thought gee maybe I should register register this as a business name I hadn't done any of that so I did register it we made a few shows and about partway through I think it was about the fourth show when I realized everybody wanted to be on the panel everybody had a voice that they wanted to be heard. Everybody wanted to, to be on you know, a bigger stage and, and have their passion or cause talked about and discussed. And I thought, wow, maybe I'm onto something here. So I templated what I did. I spoke to a lawyer. I made, I, you know, um, it became a license agreement to be part of Stronger Than My Excuses. And I templated the panels into a media production kit. And now that's pretty much what my business is all about is selling media production kits for people to do their own series of up to eight panel discussions on their passion, cause, business, whatever topic is um, close to their heart, and um, and then they can put their own series out using our platform, which at the moment we're not a worldwide name, but that's the intention. 
So we are um, a scalable model business that could be anywhere in the world. Beautiful. So that's how Beautiful. it came about, yeah. Yeah, and I know that um, Stronger My, I love the name Stronger Than My Excuses, and I know that when we were talking you know, <laughs> talking a couple of weeks ago that you picked me up when I said Stronger Than your excuses you went no it's stronger than my excuses so I know that's really that word that particular word is really important to you can you just tell us a bit about that well it's because when you say it you're talking about yourself and that's that's all there is to it when you say stronger than your excuses you're talking about someone else out there because you're talking about you know your is someone else when it comes out of your mouth yeah so um by saying stronger than my excuses you're always reinforcing it to yourself it's like um, high-fiving yourself in the mirror automatically gives you a feeling of, wow, because the only time you really high-five someone is it's always good. It's always a good thing. You know, I've done well. I'm, you know, proud of you or you're, it's exciting or something good has happened. And and usually it's about you. You're feeling good about it or someone close to you. So if you high-five yourself in the mirror automatically, you get this, it's actually I don't know if it's dopamine or one of those things, but it's scientifically proven to to make things happen in your brain, to change your, your physiology, and you have a, a better feeling about yourself. Instead of looking and going, oh, my God, oh, oh, my God, oh, every morning, or just washing your hands in front of the basin and not even acknowledging yourself, high-fiving. So it's always got to be looking after yourself and acknowledging that you're the one that this is happening to that you're being stronger than your excuses. So so that's why the business name is Stronger Than My Excuses and I trademark registered that because I wanted to make sure people do say it that way. A lot of people say it's stronger than your excuses. Mm. I do correct them. <laughs> I know you do. You corrected me. Um, and so it sounds like a, a, a fantastic affirmation actually to start the day. You would be affirming your own every time you talk about your business, you're really affirming that for yourself as well, aren't you? Yeah. Yes, yes. And I hear people who now host shows saying, welcome to another Stronger Than My Excuses show, and I think that that's their show. That's them saying that and they're feeling it mm-hmm. and affirming it to themselves too. So, And it gives, oh, I just love that. And it really embodies a sense of self-responsibility, <coughs> actually taking responsibility for what it is you're making excuses about, I guess, yeah. to, that, that's holding you back. and. Self-responsibility is one of the key indicators of a conscious leader in the work that we're doing. We're really honing in on the fact that taking responsibility for the (laughs) actions that you have, that the actions that you carry out each day. And as a leader, you're actually in this huge sphere of influence that people people are looking to you for answers. They're looking to you to be led. And when I'm talking about the greater you here as a leader, they're looking for guidance and direction. And so taking responsibility of how you're interacting with people is a really key um, indicator of a conscious human because you you understand that um, everything you say and do has an influence on other people. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, Yeah. it does. I've I've found that I I think I've matured into this because I was a people pleaser all my life mm-hmm. and that held me back from being confident to speak up. I even thought about this recently in a situation where someone was paying out on a particular politician 
about her looks. And and at the time, it was probably 15 years ago, and I was quite into following politics at the time, and instead of saying to that person, that's got no relevance to anything here and standing up for what I believe, as they say, what you walk past, you accept. Instead of that, I just laughed it off. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, oh, it played on my mind for weeks because I saw that woman that said that as uh, quite a confident person and so I wasn't confident enough to speak speak up about that. And I don't do that anymore because even though I love to please, you know, of course I want people to like me. Everybody does. But you finally realise, as I said, I've matured into this, that you can't please everyone. There are people out there who are racist and when I say things that are not, that, that are anti-racism or if I pull them up on it, they may not like me anymore and I have to just go, well, that's okay because I'm standing up for what I believe and that will pass on to anyone that's around me, including my family, my grandchildren. You know, as a conscious leader, we need to make sure that we're really careful about um, just not allowing habitual patterns to govern um, what we think, including our own sort of personal habits that we've grown up with and also societal habits. So sometimes they just become the norm and it does get a bit hard. You know, sometimes you make a joke and you think, oh, that's probably a joke from the 70s or 80s, not from for this day and age because we still have that ageist, sexist, racist connotation in some of what we say subconsciously because we're brought up with it. But we have to try to be better than that mm. and be aware. And it's about... Um knowing, having a clear set of personal values, isn't it, and really being able to um, be confident enough to stand by that in, in any situation. And like you said, not be not necessarily be the people pleaser and, no, be, and no. be confident enough to stand in your own power about what you believe in without... Um, That's right. Without, without making anyone else wrong necessarily, but, having, right. but having an awareness that um, you don't have to do it the same way. Yeah, that's right. And I think sometimes you don't, it takes a while to figure out what your values are, even though you know how you feel about things, to actually pinpoint that, that change it changes a bit. And it's worthwhile doing some research actually into your own base. So if you think, you know, if if racism is, a, is an issue for you, um, do a bit of research on it. You know, the, the amount of people that will just put everyone into one, uh, I don't like a certain race of people, come on, that's a little bit, you know, how can you not like our whole race? In this work that we're doing in conscious human leadership, we're using the, um, we, we wrote a white paper and we're using the um, lifestyles inventory from human synergistics. And what we're talking about here is really the self-actualised thinking. It's that person who yes. can raise themselves above um, what's happening in the world to be able to stand um, with you know, they're calm. They're level-headed. They they're like the guiding hand in a crisis. They don't react to the world necessarily. A leader of this type, they they would be have can um, be aware of what's um, mm. coming up inside of themselves when things are happening and be able to stay calm about it. 
Um, that's, that's exactly all. right. It's consciously bringing your mind to a state of being able to say, I need to make a decision and I need to make it based on my values, the goals we're trying to achieve, the tasks that, you know, been given or, you know, whatever the dreams are, whatever you're heading towards. I need to, you can't just be rash. You have to actually consciously bring your mind to think about it, even if that means saying, let me get back to you <laughs> if yeah. you're in a leadership position. I need to think about this and tell people, I need to think about this. I want to make sure I make a good decision. There's nothing wrong with that. So, um, and I use I use a few tools um, particularly to get me to bring my mind to that, to that conscious thinking so that I'm completely aware. And um, so one of those, it, it works for, like I said before, it's it's sometimes the habits that we have that can we don't realise they're doing. That's the unconscious leadership where we just say no immediately because it doesn't sound good. Um, I try never to do that, but uh, people do. But the way to break a habit is to um, when you feel yourself wanting to do something and you, you say, oh, I should do this or I shouldn't do this, that's a perfect time to go, oh, I was about to take that chocolate cake, but I said I was going to try and lose weight, so I shouldn't take that. And when you feel that, um, it's really hard because you go, I know I shouldn't, but sometimes you take the cake anyway. So to bring your um, thought pattern to a conscious state instead of just going, oh, you know, subconscious is going, oh, it'll be okay, don't worry about it, just eat the cake, you can go on the diet tomorrow bringing it around to your conscious mind and making the decision to take the carrot instead. And as I said, I've got a trick that I use, which is about visualising yourself in the better state. And you can do the same thing with a team. So if you visualise your team sitting around a boardroom, coming up with brilliant ideas and everyone high-fiving at the end and you see that clearly and you feel the excitement of it, then as a leader, when you're thinking about what you're doing, everything is going to be working towards that goal, getting everyone high-fiving and you've come up with a brilliant idea and the boss loves it or everybody loves it or whatever it might be. So by visualising that and really feeling how good it is, um, is you have to have feelings to be able to make thing, to make change. Otherwise, it's just monotony and we don't really make change without a good feeling towards it. So my little brain hack that I use is once I've got, usually I've got a couple of goals. It might be about um, my health and fitness and it might be also about business. Usually it's that and then maybe something about family. And I'll have the visualisation of it. And then when I feel myself going, oh, I don't want to make that sales call, <laughs> whatever it might be, as soon as I hear myself doing that or thinking, I'll just make another coffee before I make this, I go, no. And I, in my brain, go, I can do this. And I picture myself writing, I can do this with my left hand because I'm right-handed. Now, the amount of concentration, I don't even have to have the pen. If I've got a pen, I might do it. It's really hard writing backwards because you do your ends back to fronts and everything. And so by doing that, your brain is no longer thinking, oh, about the hard phone call. It's concentrating on, I can do this. 
And the very next step is to picture that that pre-vision um, that you had in your mind. Picture yourself high-fiving the group going, we got the sale or your partner, I got the sale. And all of a sudden you'll pick up the phone because the next step is to move in any direction but take action. So whether that's pick up the phone, right, look up the person's phone number, take some, or if it's, it's about exercise, put your shoes on. Even if you think, oh, wait, I might not go for a walk, but put your shoes on. Once you've got your shoes on, you're 80% higher level chance of going for that walk. You say, well, I may as well go for the walk now. I've got my shoes on. I may as well make the phone call now. I've got the number. I've made the decision. So same with leadership. You need to make sure that you break old patterns and form new ones, but you can't, you know, you need some, you might need some mind tricks, but you need, it's it's not easy. It's not easy I, I, I just I just love that you've been goosing me the whole time you've been talking about that because you know I'm just thinking on an individual level um that use of so that the, the hacks really are that use of future pacing yourself into the future with a with a um with a high high five high vibe what what you want to see yes where you go and that's the that's the motivation for doing the next thing and when you feel all those things come up inside of you from you know past beliefs or you know all the all the other times that somebody said no to you in a sales call or something like that, you yeah. can you, you're just changing your state by actually taking your focus away from that and and using your yeah yeah, yeah. And, and I love that and you can actually do that so that's so powerful at the uh, individual level. I can I was visualizing as a leader being in a team of people and yeah. and coming and actually brainstorming this. You know what is it that we're trying to achieve, and let's put the feeling into it. The feeling yes. is really important because that's the thing. You know, you know, feeling is like the language of the soul, right? And it's what actually lights us up at the end of the day. And and I think that's where a lot in Western society we've forgotten that we're, we're expected to be quite robotic, and we're not. Yes. We're actually feeling feeling human beings. So yes. getting getting that power into the visualization for the team and using that to motivate. And then for yeah. the organisation as well, that's um, really and, Yeah, and like I said, it's not always easy. I mean, I know that for years I've, I've heard of visualisation for 30 years or more and never really understood it. I didn't understand the science behind it, but now I do. I, I'm not necessarily saying that I would get my whole team to visualise it either because some of them might be, you've got to be in the right frame of, or time in life maybe even. You know, to say to a 25-year-old, oh, I need you to sit down and visualise this, they might go, you're nuts. But it's it's still important they understand, they, they hear it. They don't have to get it straight away like I did. It took me years. I hope that they get it earlier. But it's all about putting the processes in place, being aware, and, and um, it's about thinking before acting. So just to make sure that we get the best results, I guess, So um, for all parties. So another big part when it's a team is that you need to have win-win. So, And that takes the two parts of both courage and compassion. You cannot have win-win if you feel like you're losing in the deal and nor can you have it if they're losing. So if you've got staff and any one of them feels like they're not winning in this deal that you've got of how you're going to be working together, what you're what you're working towards. The project. Then, 
they it, it's not a win it's not going to be win win so you need everyone to understand their part agree that that's what you know that they're playing that part and to be able to move forward because if you've got to have the courage to say what you want and so does everyone you have to give them the space to say this is why I don't this is not gelling with me everyone has to have the courage and then everyone has to have the compassion to understand each other which is a huge thing when there's a team yeah and the bigger the team you know the more digital it is yeah. but yeah. you've got to uh, break it into you know smaller segments if you need to bite sized pieces get everyone on board and then it's a belonging feeling mm. one goal and, and that feeling happens again mm. yeah and that that leads perfectly <laughs> into the um one of the other four passive styles that um we talk about with conscious human leaders is the humanistic encouraging and that's the the ability of the leader to be able to um, have a great affinity for what other people are going through how what what they are experiencing within the team within the business within the um, you know whatever realm they're in um, having some compassion for that and being able to encourage people and, and recognizing that everyone's different and, and yeah. has something different to bring to the table. That's what a humanistic encourager is. Yeah. And, I mean, we've seen, we've probably all seen a bit of the best and the worst of that um, in leaders. <laughs> but, um, you know, it used to be if you were the boss, you just told everyone what to do and they should just do it. Well, aren't we a long way from that now, especially in the last two years with, you know, hybrid now becoming the norm. So people are not going to go into the office and sit there and be, you know, and be stuck in those ways that aren't necessary. And another thing is finding out what drives those people. So in a previous job, I know that my employer had no real interest in what drove me, even though I kept trying to share that. I know, you know, the role I was employed for and then it's gradually changing over to something different. And and no matter how much I voiced that, uh, it'll, it'll change eventually. You know, we didn't have one, we might have had one staff meeting a year maybe and probably because I initiated it. So nothing was talked about. Instead, there was a whole lot of whinging going on behind the scenes. You know, we'd be talking across desks going, well, this and that and this and that. You know, it it was always whinging and I was part of it, I agree, because um, we had nowhere else to, te- to go to tell this story because the boss just wouldn't listen. The statistics are that people, they're the reasons people leave businesses, aren't they, because they're not being heard, they're not being listened to. Yes. People, and, um, the business doesn't understand what motivates them. No. Their needs aren't being met in terms of, um, you yeah. know, enjoyment at work, all those things. That's, yeah. And isn't, you probably agree that we're at this turning point, I think, where we go, where there are some employers who own a business that is very successful, uh, but they're still using the old school model of I'm the boss, just here's what you need to do, just do it. No no need for belonging or understanding or for us to find out what you need or you to just go and do the, here's the task. 
So some people will be employed by a company like that. They've been employed there for 20 years and the, the, the company is successful. But we're at this point now where those people that have been there for 20, they're, well, some of them are starting to head into the retirement age or they're, and as the new people are coming in, they're just turning over like this because they go, what? No, I'm out. They come in, stay for a while, they're out. So you will get, so if you looked at this certain company's uh, long-term average employee, they go, oh, our average employee you know, stays for 16 or 25 years, but within five years that will change down to being our average employee is five years because of the amount of turnover that's now happening because of the changes we've had in our life, particularly in the last two years. Mm. So now people are not aware of that. It's they have to become aware because or hand their business over to someone else younger to run who will go, oh, we better think about how we treat our people. We better actually learn, you know, some of them don't even do leadership courses or personal development training, none of it. And they're going to be left behind or, you know, they could easily be out of business. Yeah, or they'll have a high st- a high staff turner or a turner oh. or you know it always it always fascinates me um, with that way of thinking. What's actually being left on the table in terms of really tapping into the resources of the people that are in their business? Like um, I know that you described yourself when we were talking over the phone a couple of weeks ago as you're the creative ideas person. That's how you described yourself, <laughs> and I wonder how many businesses have creative ideas people. But because of the leadership or because of the structure of the business, that the business doesn't have a mechanism or, or a, um, a leadership style of being able to really tap into that. Have you had that experience? Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, and I'm now consulting and I use the same, um, you know, my ideas, they do change and they evolve, but a lot of my creative ideas I'll now bring up with someone else and they'll go, that's great, we need, we need to do that. And um, that even used to happen within this company I used to work for. Um, a new person would come in and I'd tell them the idea. They'd think it was fantastic, but I still couldn't get it past the older, you know, leadership levels. And so after I left, now I'm coming up with these ideas and people are saying, that's brilliant, that's great. We need to run with that idea. This is, yeah, great idea. Why don't we do that? Because I put rationale behind everything that I'm suggesting to say this is why I think it would work. Now, I'm only one person, so they may come up with rationale to say why it wouldn't work, and that's when we just brainstorm and and either massage it around until it does work in a slightly different way or dump it and come up with another idea. But without giving your staff or your people that freedom to speak up, and find what their creative ideas are, you're never going to get those ideas in the first place. It's better to have, you know, a whole bunch of ideas than none at all. Mm, and then, yeah. you know, you, you can scroll through and just, you know, get rid of the ones that don't work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what came to me then was this idea of um, having the confidence to speak up because that's kind of a two-way street you could have you could have a conscious leader who's providing the um 
the environment, which really some people need to, it's it's really about trust, isn't it? Trusting that you can say what you say, what's in your heart, say where you think things aren't working in the company and where, you know, ideas for improvement without being um, dismissed yeah. or anything. Yet there's a whole heap of people as in, individuals out there, and you even said, said it, say it on your website in your story that you, it's positive of having a positive mind wasn't enough you needed to build your confidence how how did yes. it work for you so um as an individual as an individual so i i was always positive and likable i thought but and i couldn't understand if someone didn't like me. i was like oh why you know because i only know what i know and i feel like i try to be pretty normal <laughs> but other people will see me as a bit over the top and some other people will see me as a bit shy because they're because of how they are so then I started realizing it's just all about perception people can perceive me any way they like and two different people are going to perceive me in two different ways so why don't I just be me <laughs> and I was in a relationship as well that I needed to get out of you know, he wasn't a horrible person, but it, it, there were reasons it wasn't working. And I I finally got the confidence to say, I don't think I, I felt, I think I felt like I needed this person in my life. And then I went, I really don't. I can do this on my own. I need to step up, take some risks. And so I left this person, which was really hard after 19 years or whatever. Um, you don't know where to go or what to do. And then I just went, I need to work for myself. I need to prove to me and the world that I can do this. And I I actually, soon after, I, I bought a place of my own and then I quit my job and started my own business. So I was like, I've still got to pay for this house that I've just bought. And then I went overseas and worked overseas for three months and it worked. I was able to work. I wanted to prove that I could work from anywhere in the world. And I did. I worked from Croatia for three months. And it was just an incredible experience. And, and it just it snowballed. My confidence snowballed. And I realised I'm never going to please everyone. I've just got to get in there and do what I do and stick to my own lane. And I can I hear that you were going outside of your comfort zone each step you took as well. Oh, it was. <laughs> and the thing is, I call it sneaky procrastination because you know, I had some business ideas prior to this that are still in my little in little black book, you might say, but because they're good business models, but I was ne I, I never took them past that push through that comfort zone level. So this time I'm just pushing through, pushing through. I had a massive event two weeks ago. The biggest thing I've ever put on, I had 20 panellists. So five different panel discussions over a full day with, you know, an, a studio audience which we could have seated up to 140, I think, but we got 80. And there was food, there was networking, there was expo tables, and I created this event on my own with the help of a virtual assistant and, well, that's it really, and a few, and I got sponsors and I covered my costs with sponsors and I organised the catering. And I think, wow, I got to a stage where I thought, am I going ahead with this or am I going to just lose a whole lot of money here? But I went ahead and I just went 
gung-ho at my computer every day, at my phone, ringing people, do you want to sponsor this event? Right up to two days before the event, I was still hounding one of the big banks. You could still sponsor the event. But um, you've just got to do what it takes, step out of your comfort zone, you know, and think what's the worst that could happen. If I lose my house, for instance, if I can't pay my bills, well, I'll, I'll rent. I'll get another I can get another job. I know I can. Or I can earn money. I'll do something. But you have to think, you know, what that's not going to happen and it didn't happen. But if you look at the worst case scenario and think how long would it take me to get back to say you know a reasonable state where I'm looking after myself it's usually not long. Mm. It's all a lot, a lot about trust, isn't it? And yeah. trusting, trusting um and backing yourself really. Having the confidence yourself. to back yourself, yeah. You're yeah. just the same as anyone else. And, you know, most startups that are really successful are started by over 40-year-olds, not, you know, we see the people that start Facebook or maybe a couple of other businesses that are in their 30s, but that's actually rare. Mm-hmm. The most successful startups are started by over 40s and, in, and some over 50s, and that's I'm. Um, I'm in that bit. So so I think to myself, you know, sometimes I think, oh, I've left it too late. But no, I haven't. I'm pushing this business to the point where we will be global. Yeah, great. I can see it. I, yeah, I, I'm, sure the, I'm sure you've got the visualisation that goes with that <laughs> to motivate you. That's right. And I don't intend to work myself to the bone forever. I'm very happy to pass this over to other people because the whole structure of the business is all about um, templating what I do and handing it over to someone saying, well, here's your media production kit, you just follow this and you will have your own series. Mm. Here's how you can have a full-day event in your own town or city or region, follow this and you have your own event. Now, I will do the same with the business. This is how I run this business, follow this and you can be the general manager. And then I'll just take a step back each time. So, yeah, and I love that. I love that, Julie, because you know when you were saying that the seven generations um, concept came up to me. So a lot of um, Indigenous communities think in seven generations. What am I doing today that's going to affect seven generations going uh-huh. forward? And um, you know, there's not a lot of businesses that survive generationally. And the ones that are, the ones that do are often, um, like you say, get stuck in in the way they have always done it. But the really successful ones can grow and change. And for me, I think that's in conscious leadership, one of the things is to think about let's do things now yet have have a be really conscious about how that's going to impact the world going forward. So you're already thinking about how you're going to step back and retire and and have a bigger impact because I know that you I know that you yeah. I, I know that you have other goals and want to make a bigger impact. So making this uh repeatable and going forward. That's right, yeah. My my initial thought when I first thought I need to get these panel discussions out there for people to be on this bigger stage. It was because I could you know, I did a suicide prevention show and an anti-bullying in secondary schools show and I did a domestic abuse show, two of those, and 
I really, really wanted to help these causes and charities and not-for-profits to get onto this slightly bigger stage than what they were on and get their voices heard and in a way that it's on a YouTube platform where people can find it for years to come but also they can be grabbing them and sharing them all across social medias and wherever they need to or when people want uh, answers to these um, social and environmental issues and community issues. There's a, there's a place to go to get the answers or a place for those organisations to set, to say, hey, you've asked that question about, about, you know, breaking up with your guy, you know, someone that's abusing you. We've just made a show or made a show six months ago. I'll send you the link. So I want people to be able to view those and get information and education. But then I soon realised that that model doesn't work very well because you can't you can't really monetize it so much because so you need to have money to be able to do these things mm-hmm. so i've switched my focus and and started focusing on businesses so i am targeting lawyers and real estates and um and other professional businesses to say you guys could have your show then i get paid then i can start to go back and go now i want to support these these organizations that are my passion Mm. To, to support them, to get them onto this bigger stage, but at, a, at something they can afford. So, yeah, I mean, we've all, we're, women are much the same, we're the nurturers, and that's why we tend to start in business going, I just want to help people. And then we, then, you know, half of the time that doesn't work because helping people isn't going to do it. We've got to make money and then we can help a lot more people. We all know that, but we just can't seem to drum it in. So that's where I'm at now is I am targeting business, although still doing some things with um, community and social issues. But um, I've got a big event coming up in October, which will be all around that sort of um, social and community issues. So that will be good. Yeah. Yeah, great. So um, I think we're coming towards wrapping, wrapping it up. <laughs> and it's been wonderful talking to you. There's so much I've got out of um, just being in the presence of you as a person, Julie. Thank you. (laughs) And, uh, you know, the the gold around the future visualising and changing your state and just the intention that you have for your business and the way that you think about your business is really um, moving towards that, you know, really being a conscious human leader in your sphere of of influence. And I know that there's a few things we haven't talked about, like, um, you know, you've, you've affiliation thinking is is one of a high high in conscious human leadership as well and I can see that you do that with all the the bringing together of your um your tv shows and the the panels and all sorts of things there's a lot of affiliation that happens there so it's um if you were to give some um advice to someone who's seeing that they want to make more of an influence in the world and do it in a way that's um that supports themselves and others in a passive um, achieving and development way, what would you say to people? So as a, as a leadership yeah. tip, um, yeah. I think to have a good business culture, it's the biggest thing I think is inclusion. Uh, it's everything. It makes people, people need to be connected with other people and nature. 
And so there's just no doubt about it that inclusion and and you're saying that, I mean, there's so many things we need to learn. So never stop learning personal development. But if you can include people, they will come along with you. If you try to tell people what to do, you'll always have resistance. And I think, yeah, so I guess that could be my one word. But Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. There's probably <laughs> lots, lots of other ones in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's gold. Inclus- inclusion, which really encapsulates the um, conscious human leader, I think. And, and, yeah, and, I think and, so. Yeah, great. No excuses. <laughs> no, stronger than my excuses. Stronger than my excuses, yes, it, always. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Thank Easy. you so much. Uh, Julie for being with us on the podcast today and best of luck with your beautiful business and scaling that and and achieving those goals I can actually I'm a visual person and a feeling person so I really (laughs) got into that that aspect of um how you um how you motivate yourself and have a lovely lovely day yes you too thank you it's been great chatting 